Amen. Can we take a moment to praise God this morning? Come on, church. Today is the day that the Lord has made, and we will be glad in it. Amen. All right. So uh, we, we say that all the time. I, I know we say that all the time. Like, you know, there's even a song. Today is the day the Lord has made. So like we say, you know, we, we say this and we read this, and, but do we really feel it? Do we really understand it? Do we really know this to be truth? And, and I know we say all the time as a church that church is meant to be enjoyed and not endured uh, and that's kind of one of our, our phrases here at Legacy City. And, and we do like to have fun at Legacy City. And, and, and here's the thing. Uh, we, we, uh, we have the good news of Jesus Christ, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so in my mind, this church, this place right here should be the most hype spot in town every single Sunday morning. Because we're, we have the Holy Spirit with us, right? And that, I mean, that's, you know, I always thought this was funny. I didn't come to, to know the Lord until, like, high school, and, and I remember, like, high school, and then, and then I, I kind of went to this one sort of church, and then in college, I was sort of exposed to different types of churches and, and different expressions of faith in different denominations, and, and I always thought this was funny that my quietest friends, my, 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 my very quietest friends were actually the ones who attended, like, Pentecostal churches, and, and they were the ones who got the loudest in, in, in sort of in the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit, and, and then... Uh, I always thought that was interesting, and other than the obvious irony there, that there was another side of it. it. It also strikes me as interesting because it goes the other way as well. Some of the loudest friends I have, the ones that scream at concerts and football games, that yell at the television when something's happening and going on, uh, the, one, the ones who are just like, uh, the ones who talk so loud on converse, phone conversations, like at Volume 12 in restaurants and coffee shops, uh, the ones who yell at drivers on the road as you're driving through town, like those are the ones that come into the presence of the Lord and they just sort of clam up. I always thought that was kind of interesting. And listen, I'm not trying to call anyone out. Unless you feel called out, then maybe I am, I don't know. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that we have a reason to celebrate church. We, we serve a good God who is for us and who loves us. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and we are protected by Elohim, the God of power and might. Right, The Lord will provide as Jehovah Jireh, and he heals as Jehovah Rapha. So can somebody actually praise God in the house today? Come on, can we actually praise God today? Before we get to the message, <clears throat> I've already lost my voice, so <laughs> every week it just happens. Uh, before we get to the message, I have uh, just a couple things I want to... I want to talk about right here at the very beginning, and, um, and, and the message is going to be a little different because we're talking about vision and values, and so uh, we're not going to be walking through text and scripture as much as, as maybe we normally do, but um, I have a few things just to touch on right here at the very beginning. First, we're finishing off the second of three weeks of prayer and fasting today, so today is day number 14, I believe, uh, out of 21, and, um, and for some of us, I think for some of us, we've had a heightened awareness of prayer or fasting um, prayer and or prayer or fasting uh, over the last week or two, but, but maybe there are others of us that, that have just joined us during this time. Uh, you've just come in during, these, during the season, and, and, or, or maybe that you've been a little apprehensive about really getting involved. Let me just encourage you if I can. Let me just encourage you. Uh, even though there's only one week left of the church-wide 21 days of prayer and fasting, you can still get involved. And I implore you, please, get involved. Whether this is your home church or if you're just, like, stopping in, it, it doesn't matter because focusing in on prayer and fasting is so crucial and beneficial to, for, for, for all believers in general. 
We, and we have a ton of resources for you at LegacyCity.Church slash 21 Days right there. Go check those out. They're going to help guide you on the journey. And uh, even if you're only pr- able to participate for a week or, or less even, uh, I, I promise you it will be transformational. It will change you. It will give you better insight um, into the Lord and, and what he has for you. And, and we've been having these, uh, these nights of prayer and worship um, for the, it was kind of just an impromptu thing that sort of just happened, and, and so we had this, this the first one and the second one on, on these last two Wednesday nights. We're going to have one more uh, at, at, at our house um, this Wednesday at 6.30, and we would love for you to come out and be a part of that for the final week. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so, so she likes it. She has fun there. Um, and so uh, it, is, it is great. It's, you know what? It's, it's, I, I remember the first Wednesday we did it was just such a beautiful time. I mean, it was, it, we didn't have like all the stuff in the production. It was like literally just, just prayer and just some, some like just sort of raw and, and organic worship. And it was really, really quite amazing. And so um, we have this time and, and, and we think this is important to kind of refocus our minds and our hearts on the Lord in the middle of the week. And then next week, uh, our gathering is going to look very different as we devote more of our, of our gathering, more of the time that we have here together to prayer and worship. And so I think we, we we're kind of calling it the concert of prayer. And we did this uh, last year, as we wrapped up our 21 days of prayer and worship, we're kind of doing the same thing, uh, a, little, a little different, but we're, we're same idea uh, this year. And listen, all of this is not by accident, church. Like, these, these, these things didn't just, like, accidentally happen. We are believing God for big things this year, and we believe that the best way to start uh, a year where, where we are leaning so heavily on, on God is by connecting with him in a very real and, and, and tangible way way. We want to connect with God as, as individuals and as a church body. And so we're praying in unity. We're praying and, and we're believing. We're fasting in unity. We're, we're all fasting in different ways and from different things. But the point is, is that we're all committing to, to cutting something out of our lives for a period of time so that we can bring more of God into our lives. And so, and that's why we fast. That's, that's why, why do we spend time depriving ourselves of something? Short answer, because Jesus did it. And we're called to be like Jesus, right? It says in Luke 4, uh, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. He did 40 days. We're just talking about 21 days. And we're not even talking about eating nothing because, because most people can't handle eating nothing for 21 days. We're talking about just like taking something away. He took everything away. All right? And, 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 and then when, when those days ended, he was hungry. That's understatement of the century. Forty days. Of course he was hungry. And then the devil said to him, you are the son of God. Command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. We are not called to live by bread alone. All right, we're not called. You may think, like, how can I even, like, give something, even one thing? How can I even give this one meal up? Like, I can't even do it. Listen, we're not called, but we're called to live by the Spirit of the Lord. He provides for us. He sustains us. He satisfies us. And, and let me tell you, church, it's so incredible when you get to a place where, where you not only, like, know in your head, but you feel that in a, in a very real way in your spirit. You just know that he is the sustainer. So let me challenge you. Take up the prayer and fasting over these last seven days. You can go longer if you want. You can keep going. And, and do it longer, but, but, but over these next seven days, commit to praying and giving something up to see God move in your life, in the body of this church, and in this community. And then if you have any stories about how God has moved and how God has changed and how God has changed you, 
your perspective or how he's done something physical and tangible or how he's answered a prayer, we would love to hear those because we'd love to share some of those next week whenever we wrap up the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so please email us, DM us, whatever, like let us know. We'd love to, we'd love to have some of those stories. Also, okay, switch, switch gears real quick. I uh, also want to take just a moment. These didn't fit in like really nicely anywhere in the gathering, so I'm just going to kind of hit these real quick, and then we're going to go into what we're going to talk about. So uh, I just want to take a moment to show you where we're heading in two weeks. We're going to be kicking off a series called Grace Bomb, which is uh, taken from a nonprofit out of Maryland called Grace Bomb. And, uh, and so uh, they're, they're, uh, crea- the creator, the founder, uh, he's coming here in two Sundays. Um, his name is uh, Pastor Pat Linnell. He's from Bay Area Community Church in Annapolis, Maryland. And um, he's going to be coming to share with us and, and speak here uh, in two Sundays and kind of kick off this series. Uh, he sent me a, a promo and a message to share with you all today. So let's take a look at this. What's up, everybody at Legacy City Church? My name is Pat Linnell, and it is great to meet you today. And it's going to be even better to meet you in person in just a couple of weeks as I come down to kick off a brand new sermon series with you guys entitled Grace Bomb. Now, simply put, Grace Bomb is a surprising gift that is meant to brighten someone. But at a whole nother level, Grace Bomb is a new tool of everyday discipleship for the church by which in a spirit-led manner, wherever we find ourselves, we be able to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and break the ice with our neighbors. Excited because you guys are already have laid such an amazing groundwork with initiatives like for Greenwood, and I love seeing what you guys are doing. And I can't wait to see what more the Lord is going to do as we team up for the sake of His kingdom. So, everybody, looking forward to seeing you real soon. All right, that was really trippy with the sound floating from speaker to speaker, but uh. <laughs> Really excited to have uh, Pat here. It's going to be, uh, I think, a great time. It's going to be a great series, and um, and I'm really excited about. I, I love this idea of, of sort of dropping grace bombs uh, on people, and 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 I think that's going to like truly change our city. And so I hope you'll make it a priority to be here during that series, starting on February 2nd. So that's that's one of the things that's coming up. Okay, here we go. Ten minutes in, uh, let's actually get to what I wanted to share with you all today. Um, I was reminiscing a few weeks ago as we were kind of preparing for our two-year birthday. Uh, I was reminiscing on, on just some, you know, kind of going back through the years and, and looking back at some of the things that, that's happened over these first two years. And, and even before, you know, when we were still, uh, you know, the, the about 
eight or nine months that we were sort of prepping and we were getting ready and we were building a launch team and we were getting set. And so I was kind of going back through some of that. And I came across a message that I taught about a month or two uh, before we officially launched as a church here in the theater. And it was a part of a series that we did uh, while we were still meeting as the launch team in the Evans home. And it was called uh, Take the Land. Uh, it was a series that we did. It's actually, uh, we didn't do many teaching series. We actually just really walked through the book of Acts for the first probably five months uh, as a church. We just kind of walked. We thought, what better way to uh, start a church than to walk through and, and read about the church, the first church, uh, as it were. And so we kind of did that. But then sort of as we were, we knew that that launching was coming soon, we started to, um, you know, kind of set up a couple different teaching series and, and teach on what, what God was going to be doing. And so uh, we, had this, we had this series called Take the Land, and in that series we walked through the book of Joshua somewhat, and, um, and, and, and I think it was appropriate, obviously, for a new church, uh, sort of stepping into the unknown, following God's leading in a community and, and, and in a culture that desperately needs to know the love of God. And so we were walking through that, and, and when I was reading through this message in the, in the Bible text that we used, uh, I was struck with how crucial this passage could be to us as a church right now. And, um, and I've already said that I believe that God is going to advance this church and his kingdom this year. He's going to leave a mark on Legacy City and on Greenwood. And so I was thinking of the words uh, from Joshua that, that, that could possibly make a big impact on us today. And, and so the title of the message this morning is Vision Leads to Victory. And uh, so vision leads to victory. And we'll kind of talk about what that looks like here. In a moment, but let's let's talk about the text. So you might remember that Moses uh, led the Israelites out of Egypt, and and after that happened, this is I'm just going to broad paraphrase over like three chapters of uh, three books of scripture here. Uh, so Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they were in slavery, and and after that, uh, it was declared that they would have to wander the desert for about 40 years due to their uh, disobedience. And so then God appoints Joshua to take over after Moses, and he leads his people. He leads the people into the promised land, the land that they were promised when they left Egypt in the first place. And so uh, just to kind of catch up what we're going to read here, in Joshua 2, he sends spies into the, into the promised land to scout it out, and, and, and some things happen. We'll talk about that. In, in Joshua 2, uh, so all this, he does that. And then uh, in Joshua 6, the children of Israel take down the walls of Jericho. Uh, if you remember the story, they, they march around the walls of Jericho seven times, and on the seventh Seven, seven days, and on something, seventh day, seven times, and blow the horns, and the walls come crumbling down, right? And, and so, so God's on their side. God's going with them. He's moving in power as they go in, and they take the land. They fight more battles. They take more land in the name of God. From chapter 7 to 14 of Joshua, uh, that's about a span of five years. And during that time, the Israelites have captured and taken um, the land that God had for them. Uh, they fought and won against 31 different kings. Uh, which is not bad for a bunch of former slaves and lifelong nomads, right? So they, they went in and they did the job uh, with, with the power of the Lord, of course. And so now we come to the part of Joshua where they're about to finally start settling down and living in the promised land. They've been fighting for the promised land, and before that they were looking for the promised land, but now they're ready to actually live in the promised land. And, and so Joshua, uh, he's got instruction from, the, from God. He begins the process of dividing up all the land and, and giving, uh, you know, different land and different parts of land to each tribe. And so they're going to cast lots, uh, which is basically like rolling dice. Uh, they do this because God taught Moses this method back in Numbers, and it, and it allowed for divine oversight, and it took favoritism out of the equation for the leaders. And so it was, it, it felt like random, but it was really the guiding of the Lord. And so let's, let's just jump in this, Joshua 14. Hopefully that catches you up 
uh, very, very quickly into where we're going to be uh, for just a moment. So Joshua 14, verses 6 through 8. And the people of Judah came to Joshua Gilgal and Caleb, uh, the, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the Kenizzite, uh, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, and Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And so let me just give you a little clarity on what he's talking about. So what Caleb is doing is he's reminding Joshua of something that happened about 45 years prior. And this is a story that's actually found in Numbers 13, and we're not going to read that this morning, but I'm going to give you the highlights. Moses has come up on the promised land after only about 30 or 40 days in the wilderness. Remember, they, they were in the wilderness for 40 years, but after only about 30 or 40, a, a little over a month, they actually got to the place where they needed to be. And so they sent these spies into the wilderness, uh, 12 spies to check things out. And so this is probably where Joshua got the idea to send uh, his spies in Joshua 2. So because he was actually one of the original spies as well. So was Caleb, the main character in the story. So what happens is they send the, they send the spies in. If you remember the story in Numbers 13, and God told Moses uh, to, to send in the spies, one from each tribe. So 12 men went to the promised land to spy out the land. They went all around. They walked all over the place. They checked out the cities. They looked at the soldiers. They, they looked at the people. And 10 of them came back with negative reports, saying that there were giants that made them feel like they were little bugs that could get squashed, actually. It made them feel like grasshoppers is kind of what they were saying. And so uh, they said overwhelmingly, these 10 of the 12, 10 out of the 12 said overwhelmingly, we cannot take this land. It's not possible. We can't do it. Meanwhile, there were two guys who believed in the promises of God, and they came back with positive reports. Yeah, they are big and scary. Yeah, they are, they are some big dudes. But our God is bigger, and he can do so much more. Right? God can deliver this land to us. That's the message that these two brought back, and those two people were, were Caleb and Joshua. And so this was a time where people of Israel had believed the negative reports. So the ten negative reviews were believed and honored over the two positive ones. Now, I personally think that that, that could be a word for somebody here this morning. Like how many of us fail to step into the promises of God because we are too busy believing the negative comments? Right, the negative reviews, the negative Facebook posts, the negative tweets and Insta stories, the negative gossip, the negative discouragements. Instead of listening to that still small voice, the Holy Spirit, who is here to, to help, by the way. Jesus said he is to be our helper and our sustainer, our guide in this life. He said, hey, I'm, I'm talking to the believer in the room here this morning. Are you listening to that still small voice or instead are you listening to negative thoughts, negative reviews, negative tones? Are you listening to the urging of the Holy Spirit or, 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 or the positive voices in your life? Or are you focusing only on the negative? There, there's so much more negative than positive in this world, and I get that. I realize that. I mean, really, if you just look at, like, TV or social media or any, any, any form of uh, media whatsoever, there, there's so much negativity coming at us. Every post is a complaint or a rant or a negative comment about a political figure or a slow supermarket cashier or a rude driver or a sports team or better yet, their fan base. Like, that is all it is. It's just back and forth. There's so much talk. There's so much negativity out there. Every news article I read is about something negative. 
And I think many of us let those negative voices take hold of us and even, like, come out through us. It kind of changes us. changes the way we think. Right? We go from kind of being, like, just really pondering things to actually becoming cynical of things. I wonder, are there any moviegoers in here? Yeah? Like, wow, okay, most of you don't like the movies. That's cool. Um, so, I, I listen, I love movies. I love coming to the movies. I love the whole experience, right? I love the giant screen. I love, uh, I love these, these awesome new chairs uh, where you can kind of kick back and relax. I love spending more money on popcorn and fountain drink than, you know, my children's education, um, I love all the whole thing. It's a great experience. The whole thing. It's great. And so I love, love the movies. Um, one thing that I don't do, particularly for movies that I really, really like, movies that I'm really into, you know, uh, Star Wars franchise. I did this for the Lord of the Rings. I, I do this for the Bond films, like movies that I'm really, really, really into. Uh, what I don't do is I don't watch any previews. Like I, I, I don't, I don't watch any previews, no trailers, uh, nothing like that. Uh, anything that I have a strong desire to see, I don't want to know anything about it. I, I, I when, if a trailer comes on, like I leave the room. I have to get out of there. I'm, uh, I plug my ears. Uh, we were watch. I was watching. I don't even remember what movie. It might have been Jumanji or something. I was watching something, and a, and a trailer for the new Star Wars came on, and I had to put my hood over my head, and, and I put my fingers in my ears, and I like looked like a little child because I did not want to see anything at all that had anything to do with the film. I want to be totally surprised when I come in here. I want this to be a shocking experience. Like, I didn't even know he was in the movie, and there he is on the big screen. Like, how crazy is that, right? I want to be completely in the dark. I don't want to know what the film is about. So, naturally, if that's the case, you can also guess that I don't really like movie reviews. I don't really read any movie reviews or articles leading up to it because here's, here's what happens. Most of those reviews will be negative. Most of those reviews are going to be negative, and they're going to point out all of the, all the holes in the plot. They're going to point out how this character didn't do this and how what, what was the continuity and how is this lining up with this, and, and they broke this whole thing. And, and so it, it's always negative, and I don't want to go into any film experience with a negative mindset. I don't want to go in thinking anything negative about the film. You see, the Ten Spies, they came back with a negative review, right? And even though these people had just seen God lead them out of slavery by raining down seven signs and wonders in Egypt, even though God had led them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, and even though God had parted the Red Sea to destroy the Egyptian army, even though God had provided manna from heaven for them to eat, these ten spies came back and they gave a negative review that overshadowed the two guys that gave a positive review. So who are you listening to? Who's steering you down that path of negativity? Are, are you? Are you possibly being the one that's being negative and steering other people down that path? Are you the ten or are you the two? Are you listening to the ten or the two? Honestly, that's another sermon for another day, but but this is what Caleb is, is really just reminding Joshua of. Hey, you remember this time? Obviously, he does. You remember when all this went down? Hey, Joshua, this is what we did. This is what I did. I followed God. I saw the positive. I saw the victory. I saw the promise being completed, and so did you. Because of this, Joshua and Caleb are the oldest guys in the nation of Israel. You see, uh, as a punishment for their lack of faith, God had the people wander for 40 years until pretty much the entire generation died off save for Joshua and Caleb. 
And so while the rest of the people are young, Joshua and Caleb are about 85 years old at this point. And so Caleb is reminding Joshua of this because the land is about to be divided up, and he's about to make a pitch for the inheritance that he feels God has given him. So let's, let's read on a little bit more. Uh, Joshua 14, verse 9. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old, and I am still strong to, as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave, him, he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, Jephunneh uh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So Caleb lays out his case, right? He lays out his case. I was one of the two of us that believed 45 years ago. I was promised the land that my feet touched. And here's the ask. I want Hebron. I came in. I saw the land. I saw the giants. I saw the fortifications. I saw what I would have to go against. And I knew that God would take care of us. I saw where God was taking us. I saw the victory laid before us. We're talking about the vision for our church in this series, the mission that God has given us, the goals and the dreams that he has placed on our hearts. And so here are some of the vision-related takeaways. Number one, vision is important for victory. It's so important that you see where you're going. It's so important that you see where God's taking you. You can see that by, by, you can see that by looking back sometimes, recognizing where you have been as an indicator for where you were going, uh, but, but vision is an important part of the victory. He saw the land, and he trusted in the victory. He knew the risks and the downsides, but he saw the victory mapped out and laid out before him as the Lord promised. How are, how are you looking at things? What way are you seeing things? How's your, how's your vision, church? When you look ahead in your life, the next few days, the next few weeks, the next year, the next five years, when you look ahead in your life, what is the vision that you feel like God has you working toward? How are you seeing the events of, of the last few months and, and years, and how are, you viewing, how are you viewing the possibilities of the future? Are you listening to those negative reviews and coming up with a negative vision? Or are you listening to positive reviews and coming up with a godly, positive vision? You see, Caleb, he, he could have been viewing things a, a much more negative way but he chose to have a positive vision, a godly vision that would lead to victory. He chose to see that God was leading him through the desert, that, that God had promised this land to him, that God had kept him alive when, when all of his other friends and older family members had died out. Even when he says in verse 10 that Israel like, like wandered in the wilderness, did, did you catch that? I, like, he didn't say, I wandered. He said, Israel wandered. 
Yeah, he was right there with them. But here's the difference. Israel was wandering. Caleb was waiting. Right? He was waiting on that promise to be fulfilled. Come on, somebody. He was trusting that the victory was on the way. He had a good perspective for his vision. 2020 vision, if you will. I had to make one joke. Are there any Instagram users in here? Couple? Cool. All right, so we got a couple of Instagram users in the house, and here's what Instagram does. So Instagram has these filters when you go to take a, a photo or video for your story that changed the way the scene looks. Uh, my kids, they, they love, like, climbing up into my lap and, and looking at all the different filters, and so there, there's some that, like, stretch your face out and some that add glasses or hats or, or whatever, uh, some that even change your, your voice. And, and if you're unfamiliar with the concept, I've included a few examples for you. Um, so here's a couple of examples of, of some filters. Um, I think this is the cutest. I'm going to go with that one. I think I'll keep that one, see how many likes I get. So essentially, here's what happens. Essentially, you apply the filter, and then you send the video or, or picture, and then the person on the other end sees the image through the filter. Right? They're looking through the filter. I believe that we see things through a filter in our lives. And what do I mean by filter? Like, you will find what you look for. Your vision will be altered based on what filter you are viewing your life with. Right? That's what's going to change our, our perspective. That's what's going to change our vision. We're actually viewing it through a specific filter. Caleb was looking for God's favor and, and the completion of God's promises. He was looking for the hand of God, and that's exactly what he found. If you look, On the other side, if you look for failure... If, if you look for frustration, I think you're going to find it. If you look for someone to let you down, you're going you're gonna to meet that person, and they will knock it out of the park, to be honest. It, you'll, you'll find exactly what you're looking for. But, but here's what Caleb says. He's looking through it with a very positive filter. He's looking through it with a God-honoring, God-glorifying filter. God's working in my life filter. And here's what he says. He says, God kept me. After everything that happened, he could have had a negative outlook. Wandering in the desert for 40 years. That's, that's got to be terrible. They were there 30 to 40 days after they left Egypt. They were there. They were looking at the promised land. They were on the, on the precipice of where they needed to be. And then 40 more years they had to wander. Walking, trudging, getting tired, getting sunburnt, sand fleas, who knows. He could have had every reason, but he looked at it through a positive lens. He said, God has kept me. Man, I wish I had that response to everything in the life. I wish I had that response for every time something negative happened in my life. I wish I could say that all the time. Because it's true. He had every reason to view life through a negative filter. He's 85 years old. He's the oldest guy in, in, in the nation of Israel at this point. He's back in front of the same mountain that he started at 45 years ago. You talk about how discouraging that would be. He's right back there again. And there are still giants that he's going to have to go fight. He's asking for the land, and he believes that God's going to go with them, but there's still giants. There's still fortified areas, and, 
And so he's basically starting over 45 years later, but he was viewing things through a godly filter, and, and, and his testimony after 45 years was, but God kept me. Church, are you so upset that God has allowed you to wander for 45 years that you fail to see that you're still going after 45 years? Are we so frustrated that God has allowed us to wander for 45 years that we forget to thank him for keeping us in his hand during that time? Church, God has kept you. God has maintained your life. You might be back at the foot of that mountain again for the second or third or fourth time, but who brought you back there? Even when things were good, God kept me. Even when things were bad, God kept me. Even in depression, God kept me. Come on, somebody. Has God kept you? Are you viewing life through that filter? I am. Even in the storm, God kept me. Even in indecision and fear, God kept me. So church, vision is so important for victory. How are we looking at things? What are we looking at? How are we seeing it? What filter are we using? We have a vision for Legacy City Church. We have a vision that God has given us. We talked about it last week. And uh, it's going to be on the screen. We are for God and his kingdom. We are for people in this city. This is the vision that he's laid out. Very simple, very easy to memorize, very easy to put into practice, to be quite honest. We, we look at everything through that filter. How is, it, uh, how is what we are doing relating back to that mission, that vision that we feel like God's given this church? How is it for God? How is it for his kingdom? How is the kingdom building? How is it for people and how is it for this city? That's just the question that we ask around everything that we do. Beyond that, God's laid out some other things um, on my heart to also be a part of the vision. Is th- these are things that we've talked about from day one. We said we want to be a church for the unchurched and the de-churched. We want to be a, a place where, where people who haven't been in church for years or maybe have never been in church feel comfortable. If, th- if that's you, I hope that you feel comfortable. I hope you feel loved and you, and, and you feel welcomed. And you feel like this is a place where you can come and be greeted and, and, and just, just, just enjoy our time here and hopefully enjoy your, the presence of the Lord. Uh, so the unchurched uh, and the deep church, we want to see lost people saved. We want to see prodigals returning to the faith. We want to see people growing in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, God also put on our heart to, to, to be a church for the least of these. And we talk about a lot, the, the least, the last, and the lost, and God's called us to be a church of, for, for the least of these. And what does that mean? There's a, a passage in a Scripture in Matthew uh, 25 where, where, the, where, God's, where there's a story being told, and, um, and, and, and Jesus says, that, that which you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. Talking about those who were in prison, those who were sick, those who were homeless, those who were hungry and in need, and, 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 and all of these, God said, as, as much as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so we want to be a church for the least, not, not just a church that talks about the least of these, not just a church that maybe gives money to the least of these or, or, or prays for the least of these. We want to get in the trenches. We want to meet people where they are. And so that's one of the reasons why we have some partnerships with some different ministries in town, some different nonprofits and, and, and different organizations uh, in town. These are our strategic partnerships that help us to see this vision come to fruition. Uh, then we also talk about the next generation. That's something else that we want to be 
four, we had some of our kids in here uh, earlier today uh, having family worship. We believe that's super, super important to have the kids in here seeing us worship, seeing the songs that we listen to. And, and even though they might not understand it, they might not get all of it, they're gleaning something. And I think the Lord's speaking to them during these times. We want to be for the next generation, for the kids and the high schoolers and the college students. We want to be for the next generation. We want to raise up new leaders and, and really help prepare future world changers. Uh, the, really the sh- long and short of it is, is that churches are dying. We're in, a, we're in a post-Christian culture, and churches are actually dying out. They're, they're aging out. Church buildings are becoming empty because everybody in the congregation has died, and they did nothing to pour into the next generation. We don't want to be that church. We want to start right now pouring into the next generation in this community. We also want to be a church-planting church. That's something else that God has given us a vision for. Whether that's planting more campuses of legacy or whether that's planting other churches in other places or both and, which is what I suspect it will be. We're going to be a church-planting church. We're going to see more people come to know the Lord through spreading uh, the local church. And so that's our vision. And, and, and I know it's really short, and I could honestly talk for hours, uh, probably like three or four hours just on this little piece, but we don't have that kind of time. That's, that's part of our vision, and it's important uh, to our victory in this community, in this city. And, and I think when we can see the, the depth and the width and the height of what God is asking us to do, then we'll run with it, and that's what he's put in front of us. And so we can wander around for 40 years if we have to. We can fight 31 kings if that's what it takes. But this is the vision that God's called us to, and this is what we're going to pursue with all that we are all the time. And so I want to point out uh, just one more thing from the passage. There's so much more to discuss, but we only have time for one more. So uh, here's number two. Identity is important for victory. So vision is important for victory, but also identity. Caleb knew who he was. We don't, we don't really know who he was. I mean, his father's not really mentioned elsewhere. Uh, his people, the, 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 the Kenizzites are not really mentioned in Scripture. In fact, scholars don't really have much of a clue of who this guy is or, or where he really came from. But Caleb knows who he is. He knows his identity. He's a follower of God. And in and, and Joshua 14, 8, But my brothers who went up with me uh, made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. He is strong in the Lord. In verse 11, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is, my, is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. He knows exactly who he is. That's what allows him to view things through the filter that he has. That's what gives him the perspective he needs. If he didn't know the Lord, he couldn't see things that way. I, I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to have a positive outlook on life. Let me, let me say that. But, but I hope that you understand that we are talking about so much more. Like there's a difference between having a, a happy, go-lucky attitude and having a worldview centered on God's mercy and grace. So that when everything goes wrong, when you lose the job, when you get in a fight with your, your husband or your wife, whenever your car breaks down, when you fail the big test, when everything seems overwhelming, when any of that or, or any other thing happens in your life, you can remember your first love and the joy set before you. And you can say with full confidence that God kept me. In that moment, God kept me. Having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the only way that that can happen. You have to know your identity. In fact, I said identity is important to our victory. In actuality, identity is crucial to victory. There is but one way to the Father, and that's through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't 
know your identity is found in Jesus today, then we have some people in our care room right outside these doors that would love to talk with you, to pray over you. You can go during the last song here in a few moments. You can go after the gathering. It won't offend me one bit if you got up right now and just walk right out there. Because that, that's, what, that's why I do what I do is to see people cross over from death to life. That's the whole point. So very briefly, here's just a little bit about, a little bit more about our vision and our identity. And again, this is just the series that we're in. We're, we're going we're gonna to be talking about some other cool things in our next series and, and in the future series that we have coming up. Uh, but, this, but we just wanted to really cast some vision and tell you a little bit about who we are right here at the beginning of the year as we start year number three. We have some core values. Uh, these are on our website under the vision tab. In the interest of time, I'm not going to hit all these verses or, or, or I'm going to hit the verses for these. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I just wanted to kind of speak them and put them out there in front of you. Feel free to go back and read them on your own. Again, you can go to LegacyCity.Church uh, slash vision, I think, and it's all right there. You can look at all that. Um, it might look a little different on here than it does on the website because uh, we went to our, uh, I mentioned last week we had a staff advance, which is our version of a staff retreat, but we feel like staff should not retreat, they should advance, and so that's what we call it. And so, um, and so we, we went to, we had the staff advance, and we talked about our core values, and we kind of listed them all out, and, and, and we just felt like maybe they need to be streamlined and tweaked just a little bit. And so, um, so we're going we're gonna to finish all that and get all that on the website and all that kind of stuff, but I just want to share uh, some of where we are. These, these aren't drastic changes. If you've been here for a while, these, these haven't changed. They're pretty much the same. They just sound maybe just a little bit different. Uh, we try to take some of the ambiguity away from some of it. And so um, also, if you come to the after party, which Cindy's going to tell you about in a few moments, you're going to learn more all about these. And so uh, these are a part of our identity, who we're becoming as a church and who we believe God created us to be. Uh, so I'll just run through these real quick. Number one, we're kingdom builders. Above all, we want to glorify our God and allow him to build his kingdom through us. All right, we're not passive. We are We are moving. We are moving and we're taking, and, and, and God, is, God is going with us. Number two, we're image bearers. All right, there's a lot of weight here with this. We're image bearers. We're ambassadors, Scripture tells us, of the most high God. We're image bearers. These are part of our identity. This is who we are, not just as a church, just as believers. We're kingdom builders. We're image bearers. We are dedicated to worship, prayer, and the word. This is um, the criterion that we go by when planning gatherings. We we strive to, to, to find new ways to present the gospel. We never want gatherings to become boring or, or mundane. Um, I, I think there's like four main reasons why people don't attend church. And, uh, and, and one of them is, um, you know, they're not friendly. We hope that we aren't friendly. Uh, they're, not, they're not good for my kids. And I think we have an excellent Legacy Littles and Kids program that really pours into the next generation. They are always asking for money. Well, we don't even take up an offering. Um, we just have a box down here. We'd love for you to, to give if the Lord's leading you in that way. And the fourth thing is, is the church is boring. I hope you haven't been bored today. I tried to yell a little bit, so it kept you like engaged and awake. <laughs> um, we're dedicated to worship, prayer, and the word, and that's why at every gathering we have all of those all of those things. We, we Number four, we serve God and the city. Um, we serve God first and foremost, but God tells us he wants us to serve the city. He wants us to love the city, pray for the welfare of the city. And so that's what we do. We serve God uh, personally, individually, also in the house of God, and we serve the city. Uh, we, want, we 
want to connect with city officials, meet the real needs, uh, and this is what we do with our strategic partners. Number five, we leave a Jesus legacy. Uh, for, for, for the city that we're in, we want to leave a Jesus legacy, but also for the kids that are coming up behind us. We want our legacy to be one that points back to Jesus. Number six, we give with purpose, not out of compulsion, but with a joyful and worshipful heart. And then number seven, we love unreasonably. You know, there's a, a guy named Rich Birch did a, a book and a study just a little while back, and he said that 93% of churches in America are in decline. And um, I was like, it's pretty astounding. 93% of churches in America are in decline. That's, that's kind of shocking. Uh, but but really, it's it's not the world is getting more populated and we're in a post-Christian world and less people are going to church now than ever. And how do we combat that? We love unreasonably. How do we, how do we not be one of those declining churches? We love unreasonably. It's kind of one of the things this Grace Bomb series is going to be about. I'm really excited for it. This is who we are. This is who we believe that God has called us to be and I know we've spent like kind of like two or three weeks talking about this, and I know that's a bit much, and I really just want to dig back into the Word. And, and really all this came from Scripture. This wasn't things that were just, we didn't just pull this out of thin air. I mean, these are all rooted in Scripture. I encourage you to go on the website, look at the passages where we pulled a lot of this from. But, but this year, we, we believe that we are taking new ground. We believe that it's time to take the land and advance the gospel in this community and elsewhere. And I hope that you'll join us on this journey, not just sitting and watching the journey unfold, but I hope that you'll get involved, that, that you'll, you'll begin to take on and live out the vision of this church. Would you let me pray for you? God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for your son, Jesus. We're so thankful for what he's done in our lives and what he continues to do. And God, I pray that you'll just, you'll continue to give us vision. You'll continue to give us clarity in the vision. You'll continue to guide us and direct us, Lord, that you'll continue to, to show us who you are and who you want us to be. And God, I pray that we will look at things through the right filter and that we will pursue wholly after you. Give me a vision for my own life. Give, give this church a vision for their personal, individual lives. And then give a, continue to just prop up this vision for the, for the local church that you've given us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray.